of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers, turned internet friends, turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? Um, it's it's a it's an August day. I Have don't you know been what feeling, it is. Like not wanting to work lately. I don't totally have that luxury right now. Um, well, no, I don't have the luxury either. But I don't want to work. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> have people on me twenty four seven. It feels like so. But it sounds yeah, like being I, a designer and a mom, I, and it really does. <laughs> I don't know. I feel I'm feeling a little inkling for a vacay. Like I feel like I'm probably due for a vacay. Yeah, I don't think I've really taken one. I think we're gonna try to do a couple days in Santa Barbara at the end of the month, like right before Labor Day, because okay. I just can't do Labor Day crowds, but. I just want to skip the tourists and everybody else. Like, go a little bit before, take one last running leap at summer. (laughs) Into the ocean. Into the unknown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm ready to just, like, fast forward to, like, a winter trip, maybe. Ooh. Something. I don't know. I have this fantasy still. So what I'm hearing is you're going to come to Palm Springs Hmm. and hang out. We're going to hang out in... When it's like the beautiful weather in Palm Springs. Mm, that's, that's what I'm hearing. Not a terrible thing to hear. <laughs> it's not a bad fantasy. It really isn't. Yeah, I've been traveling a lot the past few weeks. And then I have another big trip next week for work, mostly. Oh, some friend. I don't know. It's been a mixed bag. It's all been fun, but it's just intense. Like getting ready to be gone is really intense. For me, and this next trip, I have like three different events that I'm doing and packing for and then prepping my family to be without me. And it's, <laughs> and I have an install before I leave. It's like, I'm, my head's going to pop off, but it's okay. This is what I live for. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel like in a thrive zone when I'm like this, but also it's very, um, that's a trauma response. <laughs> like, I know it is. That's not. That's not a sustainable model. No, it's not sustainable at all. It's so, like these short. All the hobbies. Stay tuned for the episode where I basically just like tell Rebecca over and over on a loop that she still needs to get more help. Why don't you call up my therapist and you guys can just hash it out together? Because. <laughs> If it was up to me, I already would have hired someone for you. Like, I know, I know, I know. It's it's my priority this fall. <laughs> it was a priority months ago. I can't do it when I have too much stuff. Like, I just, it's... Oh my God, it's never going to happen. Okay, this is not what our episode is about, though. <laughs> kind of is. <laughs> you kind I of mean, are, yes. It is about, like, growth and leaps and fear and practicality and yeah. how to kind of like get all of that sussed out for what's like right for you. But also it's one of those problems of like, it's never a good time to have a baby. It's never a good time to 
fill in the blank. Honestly, like the way our lives have been the last few years, like it's never a good time for any, like anything. You're if you want it to happen, you're gonna just have to like take the leap in into the unknown. Like you're you at some point have to just start getting decisions made and doing hard things and ripping the band aid off. And I think that this episode was driven by our experiences about this. Yes. Yep. And there will be a future episode about hiring help. Um, (laughs) Probably sooner than later. We will already give everyone the highs and lows of the whole process. Yeah. Speaking of trauma responses. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But today we're talking about, is it time for you to get an office? Yeah. Like, especially like, I don't know if we're allowed to say post-COVID. Probably not. I think we're just like in a world of pandemics now ongoing. But yeah, I think post-lockdown, I'll say, we all kind of cocooned and took care of ourselves and battened down the hatches. But I think there's just this sense of emergence and like, okay, I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get away from my family anymore. i can't i just can't and like to grow you have to grow right like you need space to grow like literally oh a hundred percent like literal room to spread out and have room for ideas and the whole thing and so we've both now we've talked about this a little bit on on previous episodes just that it's happening so hopefully it's not a surprise to the hotties but rebecca and i are both in office spaces now. So I moved into mine May 1st of 2022. So it's, we were pretty much working from here. Like it's not like I had a ton of stuff at my home office to bring here, but the idea was like, let's just get the essentials here so we could start working. So I'm not saying I have a full 360 view on the whole office experience after only a few months, but the whole process of getting here was already like a masterclass like in and of itself that I didn't know I was going to get. And some of it's just trial by fire. Like you just have to, like, we're all going to have different needs. We're all in different markets. We're all going to have different like cost associated things we want out of our spaces. So obviously we're all going to have different experiences, but yeah, there's, (laughs) there's a lot that you learn on the fly, but we can try to, I don't know, shine some light on what our experiences have been. Yeah, it can be scary and overwhelming and all of that. And it's still going to be that way even after you listen to us talk about it. It might make it worse. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think the idea here is to scare anybody. No. Because there's pros and cons and just risks and rewards. Like, it's just weighing it all out. 100%. And I always just think, like, there's millions of people who have opened offices or retail spaces or whatever like you drive down the road and you're like how is that place in business they figured it out how many yes yeah how many wind chimes did they have to sell to pay their rent this month like exactly complete like junk shops like I went into our mall for the first time in like years last night to pick something up. Oh God. And how many calendars did you have to sell? <sighs> Literally, there's places that say like the stores are like fake stores now because they can't even sell 
real retail stores Wait, anymore. What? They're called like one was called like the worst bodega you've ever seen. One was called like I can't remember. No. I should have taken pictures. It looked like a like the Simpsons like a parody mall. mall. Yeah, <laughs> it was like I am amazing. Like the names were like not like non sequiturs and just like fake sign, like just like the cheapest they could just get. And I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. Like that, there's no way that the mall can stay open. Like no malls are dying first off, but like retail in general, like if these stores can make it and get a lease, I'm a designer can figure it out too. And that's like what the whole process was learning. Like it is possible. It can be done. We, you just have to like know when to ask questions and get started. And then maybe we start with the, let's talk about the good stuff. So yes. the hotties know like it's the why we did it and also why we like it now that we have our office spaces. Yes, let's do that. You mentioned the first one, which was your home life, like spilling into office life. Yes. And I never had a major like, work from home crunch like my family was mostly away during work time during lockdown but still I don't, I'm like in my home office today and it's just it does I always all I see is like to do is like I need to turn this back into a living room I need to put the stuff away I really should start a load of laundry like all that kind of yeah and yeah, the dog is around stuff. like stuff is still happening he stinks. Yeah. He needs a bath. Like people come to the door with a delivery. You're like, oh, that's one more interruption. Like constant. Constant. And so I think my mind is more fragmented when I'm here in some ways because the home to do's are like encroaching. When I'm away, like I don't think about my laundry at all. So like somewhat close to like a real life severance. Oh. which i have not finished so don't give me any spoilers but it's that real like it is valuable you separate the two like i left my house that stuff all is there i go to my office and i'm here to make money and to work and to get shit done like yeah and on that same theme like the my car like i have a commute like it's like 25 minutes yeah. And so my car commute is my elevator ride <laughs> to my severance office. Yeah. Because I get like this transition time, which I honestly kind of missed. Like I'm a big podcast listener and audiobook listener. And oh yeah. We chat on Marco Polo during those times. Like it's just that like buffer that you don't have when you're home from going mm-hmm. from work to home. Time, like a time buffer that I actually kind of love. Yes. I like it for my household because for so many years I was at home that like household responsibilities were being assigned to me of like, oh, the gardener needs to ask you a question about something. Can you meet? Can you be there with him to do that? Or the pest control guy wants to come by. And it's just like that kind of house stuff. And no, it wasn't malicious at by any part on my husband. Like he, Sean really was trying his hardest. Like, but it is easy. Like, well, you're just there anyway. And you're like, yeah, but I'm literally like now not scheduling things during that time, which means I'm emotionally disconnecting from the tasks that I have at hand. So I'm not involved in them. 
when the delivery guy shows up, when that person's going to come by the house to fix a light fixture, like all that kind of stuff, it, it does start to add up. And I think when you really start inventorying all those different things, it, it really starts to get big, like taking the dog to the vet for like an inoculation. You're like, right. oh, well, that was two hours of my day. Like that stuff really eats quickly. And so part of this is also the political separation that my husband really understands now, which is like, oh, you're paying for that space. So stopping your day stops you from making money, which means like is bad for us. Like that that calculation is very easy to understand now that it wasn't as easy to understand when I was in a home office. Yes. Yeah. So the marriage so, politics of it is a little easier too. So yeah, the number one is like, you're no longer a health elf. So go hire <laughs> Dobby to <laughs> take care of that for you. There's something about putting an, a putting Unless and like you an want obligation to. Okay. on the line. I'm just going to say too, like some people want to do that. And that's like an intentional choice. Like you're home for your kids, you're home on short days, you can do all that. And I a hundred percent get that. And if that's how your life is designed, then it's great. Like it's a great option to have this flexibility. It is. The, my caveat would be I'm making more productive use of my energy and more money as a result of that by being at my office. Because I'm here to work, I'm here to get stuff done, I'm not at home. So like my level of commitment to it has gone up, which was probably in like an, a little bit of an unintended consequence. Oh yeah, like you're like, you're committed to your business now. And it's not like, there's no like part-time aspect to it. Yeah, like it, it isn't like, a, well, I just happen to be at home. So I'll just not like, I'll just go sit on the sofa for a little while and take a little nappy poo. Like, no, that's <laughs> not like... I'm not going to have that option anymore. And I don't. And so that makes a big difference in in like the approach I take with the business now. So I think that, sure, it's great to have that balance at my home. And I can still leave early if I need to and go do those meetings. But now the opportunity cost of what I'm missing out on when I'm at my office is bigger. Like now my team is here and I have, you know, appointments that I'm avoiding to schedule and I can like feel the repercussion of that, but in a good way, because it's like, no, just schedule that dentist appointment for another time. Schedule that, like go pick that stuff up at Target after work. Like don't, don't do this during the day. So I've loved that. I haven't had clients coming to my office yet because like we just got a conference table a couple weeks ago, it feels like. So, but you guys have started having meetings and appointments at your studio. Yeah, we've had a lot. So clients... Being able to come to you is this like kind of new, like a whole new world. Like I'm so (laughs) used to like, (laughs) but yeah, like I'm so used to pack where we all are packing up, schlepping, like making sure we have like Mm -hmm. backups, like any other thing that might come up, try to like get that in the bag. And I've had a couple bigger client presentations now. And it's awesome because if there is like, oh, that tile's not 100% what I was looking for. Like, we also have a big library, which we'll get into, but you just can go pull it and you're not packing. So yeah, it's not like two weeks before you can get them to see another sample or like driving it by their house. And yes. And then I think for clients, so I always thought this when I was in 
graphic design, like in a, the creative agency, we were like a lot of B2B. So a lot of clients in like kind of boring, like state working jobs. They thought it was really cool to come to our agency office. Like it's, it's exciting. Like, yeah, it's a little field trip. Like you get to see how the creatives work. And so like a lot of clients like coming to our office because they love seeing what we're doing and yes, they're out of their house and maybe they take some time off their job or whatever. So yeah. I don't know. It's exciting for them too. Like, and their head is in it and they're, they're also not home with distractions and the dog and the phone and, you know, yeah. it's, it feels focused. like it's more engaging to, and it's like, oh wait, well, this is like a, this is a thing we're doing now. Like, it's not just uh, people come over to my house and it's low commitment. Like, there is something about being in an environment where it's professional, it's organized. Everybody has set their side, their time aside for you, the client. Like, you know what else it is? I just in. thought of. You're also in the power seat. Yeah. So you're on my territory. You're on my territory. So I'm not like. Ma'am, do you like this? <laughs> I don't know. Oysters, clams, I... and cockles. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's not like I approach my presentations that way, but still it's kind of like it's their home and you're a guest in it versus yeah. they're coming to your, like, this is my house yeah, and I'm like in charge. So I, I don't like know. There, there's a power feels, dynamic involved. There in is. It. Yeah. And it feels better. There's also like that, what that reminds me too is like the pro of some of this is it really does help establish another layer. It's not that you don't have credibility. It's that this is another layer of credibility. It's a big layer. Commitment. I think it's a really like, big layer. It's like, uh, we're not just, we're not just fly by night. We're not just a website with an Instagram. Like this is a, we're part of this community. We've made a commitment to this. There's that inherent understanding. Yeah. I'm not the neighborhood mom that does... Design, design and yeah on the side or whatever which is totally fine but it's different but it makes a very different statement to people of like oh yeah. we're at this office like this is what we're we're doing it which also kind of lands to the like we're not so little that we aren't taking on these responsibilities and i think that's also part of what like growing my team has done is people take the work a little bit more seriously when there are more people involved it's like there's a little bit less back and forth on stuff. There's a little bit more credibility with what we say and how we do it. It does add an extra layer to insulating yourself a little bit of protecting your space, protecting your energy. So I feel like that's something I didn't know was going to happen when I started leaning into having a team and having an office space together. Which is hard to do for a lot of people when you're working from home, unless you have like a completely like separate entrance or you just don't care. It's weird having people in your house all day, all the time. So I know yeah. a lot of people do it. And I did it for a while. But um, it's not ideal. Like, my house is a like, mess right now. Like, I don't want anyone here. I I like my separation. I like to be able to, like, this is my home zone. And it's not, this isn't my office anymore. Like, this is, it's been really nice to have that separation just in my own home life of knowing, like, the house doesn't have to be constantly picked up. I don't have to be moving stuff around. Like Marcos would be fine if if my house had been messy more often. I just felt like, oh, every morning before he gets there, I'm picking up stuff or washing some dishes or like he also I feel like it's more comfortable for my team to have a space because they're not just like eating at my dining room table. Like 
I don't know. It, it feels a it little familiar. It definitely feels like my house. Like, yeah. I think there's, I don't know. I'm like, I love Jeff Lewis and the way he does stuff. Oh my God. But, um, but his house isn't like a normal house. His homes are always like show rooms. But I, yeah, it's like it's like he fake lives in them because it's being filmed too. Like it has yeah. to feel perfect all the time. And he doesn't have any like personal stuff because he's constantly moving. But um, <laughs> but also just there's a level of familiarity with your team that isn't always great. Like because the respect yeah, want- and boundaries start getting weird. A hundred, I agree. So Agree. it's hard to keep those in place. So it's easier to grow a team. You don't have to like think about all that stuff. And they have like a real office to go to and feels more legit again. Like there's a lot of like feeling legit that happens. I think with they all of feel these. better, like a sense that they too can like put that out there to people of like, we were working at this office, we're doing this. I think it, it has changed the way that I have Monica and Marcos working with me. So they have really changed like the way they think of it has a little more gravity to it in a good way. And they also feel, I, I think it makes it easier for them to explain it to like, in Monica's case, like to her professors and to like her, her mentors who she's going to design school still. And then for Marcos to be able to like discuss it with like his friends or his family, it, it does add a little bit more credibility to what they do that. It's not just like, Oh, I'm working at someone's home office. It's like, no, we have a studio. Like this is a, legit big business like we're doing a thing so it's good energy so okay you mentioned your library the other big like this is a huge pro like samples 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean we like our office is set up a little bit differently than probably most people because we have an actual warehouse that is air conditioning and heated so we have set it up to be like a full library, but I share it with another designer and we have other designers that work out of there, like in a co-working capacity. So part of our model is to like have this expansive, expansive size library, Yes, which wouldn't be for everybody, but we're even running out of space, but I don't second guess getting samples anymore. Cause I know like if you like it, if you like it, you're like, let's get it. We'll find a spot. I don't know what project this is for yet, but I want it and I want to pull from it and I want options and a lot of vendors. I mean, a lot of samples are free, but some aren't always free. And I have found that our reps and our sales, you know, people are much more likely to give things out for free now that we have a true office space than they were when we were home-based. Well, yeah, we have reps now drop in on us um, when they're in the area and bringing new books and uh, like updating us instead of the constant like reaching out. And there's just nothing like I've never had this experience as a designer until this year of I need to, I have a presentation coming up. I can go into my office and actually design from materials like a laboratory. From live pieces, which feels so amazing. I still have to search for certain things and fabric or whatever, but for the most part, I can pull together things that we have, and yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, it's all the it's tons of extra fabrics, tons of extra tile, tons of like just all of it, all your hardware samples, all your lighting finish samples. Like 
it does. I that's part of where I say like it actually is making me more efficient to have it because I can yeah. design faster and easier, which means I'm billing that out faster to clients. I'm getting it done in tighter blocks of time, so it's really efficient. Like that's something I knew existed. I've heard designers talk about. But until you start doing it, it is really hard to understand that, oh, yeah, literally, I I can design this whole space in a much shorter period of time if I need to. I'm hearing flat rate. That's, uh, well, and that's a whole other, <laughs> I'm like really close to you guys on moving from hourly to flat rate now that being I have. Being efficient is not good for the No, but being efficient is great when you are flat rate because you don't need as much time to do it. And also it makes my income stream easier. So that'll be a whole other conversation. But it's that's like now where I'm realizing, oh, I can literally get this done faster and easier so I can bang it out and get work done. And having materials has done that. Because you've done the work up front pulling the library together. I mean, building the library for us, it was was and is a ton of work. Oh, ours is still going interns coming in like we've had a lot of people helping us and it's still not 100% but that's work we've done and invested in to now like okay the client's gonna some they're gonna benefit but you still gotta get paid so 100% 100% and so like going back to the samples and having them it's also not just like getting free samples it's also that having a, a brick and mortar location has given me better pricing from vendors. So I'm able to increase my profit margin on certain things because I have not necessarily a retail location, but I have my physical location. Yeah, having a showroom and having things on display, (laughs) all the vendors have different requirements for that. But yeah, it's definitely gotten us better pricing. I mean, our Norwalk, we both have Norwalk upholstery showrooms. Mm -hmm. That pricing is considerably different. I wouldn't have gotten, I don't think we could have gotten a top knobs account without having the showroom. So there's a few things that it's really opened up for us and it's so nice. Yeah, that's a, that was a major consideration when getting the office space. Like if we're thinking of like, what, did it make sense to get it? That was a big consideration of like, if we can build our profit margin to be larger on certain product, that that automatically helps us compensate for the cost of a lease every month. Yeah. And it also helps you like back to like getting your own like mental shit together. Like it helps you focus on certain accounts, which also makes you more efficient. So like I have a reason to focus on about five accounts first and I try to sell from those because it benefits me and the company if I do. A hundred percent. Yeah, because you're like, well, like everything was the same, like, oh, I'll just get from this and that and that and that. But now I'm like looking all over the world. Yeah. You want your own, like when I pull upholstery, I'm looking at Norwalk first to see if that's going to meet my need because I make more money faster by doing that than I do having to source through other vendors. Like it just, let's start with our big hitters at the beginning. Yeah. And really try to make that work. So it's not all butterflies and <laughs> what else Baby unicorns birds? and rainbows yeah I've, okay the the part that's not okay the part that i think is the most scary is actually the the easiest for i think when when i look back on it is that leasing can be a scary topic 
And so my first thing that I would advise anybody who's thinking about this or even considering it is you need to find a broker. You need someone who's going to represent your best interest and negotiate on your behalf and teach you and explain things to you. And the nice part about them is, I don't know if this is the same everywhere. I'm assuming it is in most places throughout the US, is the broker doesn't get paid until you sign and they're getting paid by your landlord or their, you know, whoever their property company is. Like, I didn't pay out of pocket for my broker anything. Like, I found them, I signed an agreement with them that they would represent me. They met with me to talk about me, kind of like a realtor, like, talk about your needs. What are you looking for? Talk about your business. They will need to probably look over your financials and make sure you're in a good place to do that. Like, they could tell you you know, a little bit about where you sit, which that's a really nice low stakes way to get started because you're not actually talking to landlords yet. You're not looking at any offices yet. It's just, let's have a discovery call like you would do with a designer. Yeah. And that was something that I did in my old company and didn't really realize was an option. And I always thought like real estate developer brokers were just these big wigs and I mean they can be yeah like they want to deal with the little mom and pop stuff that I needed but no I mean they have tons of agents like most brokers of all levels of all levels that need to fill leases and they have clients as well that they are trying to get people in their properties so I have found them so helpful and Mm -hmm. They save you money because they do the negotiation. They know the market. So also like if you've ever tried looking for a real estate property commercial, it's really the websites are terrible. It's not right. You guys use LoopNet? Yeah. Well, I don't even really try because I don't trust them. Like it feels like the information is not current. No. And the like some of them have floor plans on there. Some of them don't. Some yeah, of them list so, lease rates. Some of them don't list the lease rate. It's like a this mess. This time I like, didn't even bother because I just knew like you. So basically you get, yeah, like Sean said, you get on with a broker, you find your partner and then they, you tell them what you're looking for and kind of where you're looking for. They may advise you of the best spot to be in. And then they start presenting you with things. So yeah. They would set up toward I mean, it's just like a real estate agent, but it's like broker to broker. Yeah, it's the same. It's actually it's the same. It's as pretty much, house. I mean, it is in that sense, very much like a realtor. Like you can tell them what neighborhood you're looking at, or if you drive by a building that has a for lease sign, like sure, they'll look at it. They can talk to the listing agent or broker for that and find out like, hey, this is out of your lease range. Like, do you still want to look at it or not? But They do. It's sort of like where broker to broker, they're going to talk more honestly and share more information with each other than they would if you just tried to call the other broker. It's They just don't have a lot of incentive. They want to make sure people are serious. They don't want to waste their time going back and forth to open up the space and let people walk through. They don't want looky-loos. And I feel like you get... I got a lot more serious responses through my broker because they know that that whoever they're talking to is really looking at spaces to lease. So they're not wasting time. Yeah. So that was, I mean, sticking with the broker line of things, there was stuff during lease negotiations that my broker was like, I want to, I want this. I don't want that. Like we were able to get like things like, just for example, 
things that seem small but kind of aren't like I signed my lease as of May 1 and the standard lease from the from the landlord was that the rent would increase a certain percent at the beginning of every year and so he was he went back to them and was like either we prorate that first year's rent or do you guys just don't increase the rent that first year and then they yeah. said okay we just won't increase the rent as of January 1 because you've only been here a half a year and it was like oh shit like that's that's literal money in my pocket by not having to pay that rent increase as of January 1. And so that's where the broker like pays for themselves, so to speak, even though I never had to pay out of pocket. Like, But they strategize. Like, we're always like, okay, can we get like a couple cents less on our square foot price if yeah. we do this? Or can we get another free month of rent if they are not going to give us new floors? Like, so they... Yes. Help you like strategize based on what, who they know they're talking to, what the market looks like. If there's really a lot of competition out there, then you just get what you get. But yeah, if a building's in high demand or a neighborhood, they're not going to, it's going to be really hard to get landlords to negotiate with you or listing brokers. Yeah. So they can level with you and be realistic, which is really helpful. I think the whole thought, like when I went in, I looked at some, I don't know if you guys looked at a lot of places. I looked at quite a few. There are some real shitholes out there (laughs) and landlords don't want to make like any improvements out of their own pocket. Like Like, it's literally going to fall down at the next like 3.0 earthquake. Oh, I went in one that legit had a black, like a severe black mold issue. Like severe, like like the whole inside, the windows were rotting and it was like, there's going to be one rainstorm and all my stuff is going to be ruined in this office. And the landlord was like, we're not going to do anything. And I was like, that's a weird flex, but okay. <laughs> like, and we walked, ah. like my guy, my guy was like, we should just go. They're not serious about this. They don't really want to lease this space. Like, and it was like, what a shame. Like, but also that's where your broker comes in and they're just like, Bro, this carpet is this carpet is awful. Like it has to be replaced. It's been in here for like 14 tenants. It looks awful. Like if you're not going to replace it, what are you giving us instead? Like and some some landlords just don't want to pay anything, which is really hard because I think that they feel like it's almost like when it's a seller's market in home, like homes and real yeah. estate, right? Like landlords think of themselves like being in the seller's like power seat all the time. It doesn't matter what's happening. Like they're like, we're in control. You need a space. If you don't like it, then you leave. Like we're we're still gonna do whatever we want. Yeah. And yeah, so you never know. And I liked that our broker showed us places we wouldn't have necessarily considered and neighborhoods we didn't know about. And like mm-hmm. our our office is like a new construction building. Like I wouldn't have known about it. So Get a broker. If you're even just thinking about it, get a broker because they found a lot of stuff for me. They were the one leveling with me saying like, because so you guys might hear a lot about if you're hotties, you're looking at it, they'll call it TI, which is tenant improvements, which means like the landlord basically like covering the cost or crediting the cost somehow of needing to make improvements to the building for you to be able to use it or move in. I was shocked, honestly, like no, not a lot of landlords were offering stuff. But in my space, the landlord was willing to make tenant improvements. They actually adjusted the floor plan a little bit for me so I could create my conference room space. They 
replaced all of the commercial carpeting with Shaw flooring that I got to pick. Like they're like, you can pick it. We we just get a contract price with it, you know, because we do so much. But that I think was a lot to do with the fact that they own, they operate multiple large buildings. So they've like by economies of scale, it's not too expensive for them because they're operating a lot of spaces and they know that they have to do that pretty commonly. And they also are considering their like, well, if we don't give this to this tenant, the next one could come along and need more. So maybe this is a reasonable request. And that's where the broker was really helpful is to make that stuff make sense. Yeah. And sometimes tenant improvements are like credited, like you get, they'll give you $10,000 or whatever of TIs or, and, or sometimes they'll add them to your lease. So it'll increase your lease square footage by 10 cents a foot or something. That's literally what mine did. It was $2.25 a square foot and it went to $2.35 based on the improvements I wanted to make. they're getting their money. Like they're not giving you anything. They're just doing the work up front for you. If they didn't do it, it would have cost me so much more out of pocket up front to do that than 10 cents a square foot. Yeah, no, I just mean they're not doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. Like they've got it all figured out. Yeah. They're making good money (laughs) off that. But yeah, we didn't get that. Like ours didn't do shit. And yours was like a new build building. So I could see where they're like, nah, literally, we just built this. Like everything is new. So why would we pay you to get rid of stuff? Like, I totally understand that when you think yeah. it's brand new. They already made their investment. But you're that's part of where the broker will tell you too. Like, hey, this is a good cost per square foot number. This is decent. Which they're within the range. With it. Yeah. And like ours had that HVAC warehouse. And it's a new like insulated warehouse. So it's just unheard of yeah um, so we're like we just have to do this yeah that was good for ours i it, it like it can be intimidating when you think about leases because that we just mentioned numbers like i'm in 1500 square feet and there's all sorts of stuff to consider like what if any utilities are included what like in mine there's common area maintenance costs that are you know we have a maintained parking site we have on-site property maintenance, like day workers who are here constantly for things like spills, garbage, all of that stuff. We have custodial service included with our lease. So that all makes it really easy for me to know what I'm looking at. But yeah, you're going to have insurance. You're going to have potential utility costs. Like you, I think remember, I remember you sharing with me how you were shocked that commercial like business internet is so much more expensive than like home internet. Like double. (laughs) And then... Yeah, if you want to have, like, I don't have TV service, but like, yeah, if you wanted it, it's like, if you're going to have a TV that's on, you're going to pay for that. That's going to be an extra bill. If you are going to, like, I have, luckily, everything in here is LED. It's all, that part's easy, but like, the air conditioning expense. Like, think about your building. I spent about five grand on window treatments just to get, like, vinyl shades because I have three, three sides of windows on mine. I'm like, at the end of a building unit. So that was expensive. Yeah, you get real practical real quick too. Like in the beginning, we're like, oh, we'll put like, you know, pinch pleat drapery up so we can show clients <laughs> what it looks like. And then it's like, oh, hell no, that is not. That won't be the first thing, not for sure. Like for me, I'm still wanting to do that stuff, but you're like, wait, it's so I had to really hot make sure I'm here. gonna stay here. Yeah. Too. Yeah. My lease is five years. So I really have put down, I'm really putting down roots here because that also got me the most 
beneficial lease terms because mm-hmm. some landlords won't even talk to you about a two-year lease. Like they just don't want to hear from you. They they want like three plus. And so it depends on your market. It's going to depend on your market. Ours is two. And they might say, great, we'll do it for two. But if you wanted to do three or more, we'll give you a cheaper lease. And so that's where you just have to weigh your numbers and figure that out. Like it, it ad- everything adds up quick. Like you, you're going to need cabinets for your materials. You're going to need shelves, signage, some desks, a lot of trips to Ikea. <laughs> like So many trips to an Ikea. An alarm system if you don't already have it. Yes. And all of that is out of our pocket for ours. We don't have any of that included. Yeah. So you want to plan, like, if an office space is going to be for you, do you have access to capital or are you borrowing money? Like, how are you growing into that? Because just like a house takes a lot to fill up, so does an office. And back to like what we were saying with the pros, like Claire and I, and I think you too, we, part of our strategy was to leverage the space to have more income. So like we have members that pay us monthly to work out of our office, which helps. We have a showroom of upholstered furniture that we are going to be able to not have a huge volume yet, but we will, the idea is that clients not even clients, like the public can make an appointment and order one piece of furniture. So that I couldn't do at home. And in theory, that should cover our costs. Yes. And that's part of the taking the big leap, right? Is this is a calculated risk. And if, you know, I know that a lot of designers could be risk adverse. And I think sometimes we confuse being risk adverse with being scared of something we don't know a lot about. And it's like, they they are different components to come into the decision making process like i something that was helpful for me was literally working out the numbers when i was looking at spaces and saying okay this space equals how many billable hours a day to cover to cover the space like what am i really taking on when i do this and that makes it a lot easier to understand instead of just thinking oh, I have to come up with all of this on one day, it was easier to think about, wait, this is literally like throughout the month, I just have to keep my eye on the prize of how much am I billing? How much markup revenue do I need to create? Like that made it much easier to understand. Can I do this? Sell two sofas. Yeah, like quite literally. Like you're like, oh, I just got to do the markup revenue from this and that's going to pay for it? Cool. Okay, I have you know, a couple designer on call clients, like, great, that's going to cover half of that lease. Like, no problem. Like, I think it's good to break it down and think about it in achievable bites instead of these giant, really like hard to consume decisions. Yeah, I think the easiest thing for us, the no brainer part of it for us was that we could make more money from the office, like have the Mm -hmm. office pay for itself. And so find ways of doing that. Some people do it in a retail space. I would love to grow into that someday. Like, I I don't know. Maybe that can happen. But that... (laughs) I like thinking now, like it's basically everything we've described plus like retail product and getting in A lot of inventory. I couldn't... I don't know how people do it. I know people do. I really don't know how though. Add it to the... Okay, but add to that. I don't know about you. In most areas, 
retail designated spaces because it's like zoned for certain things. So like mine is designated an office space and it's like approved with the city to be used for office use. Like those designations are included with wherever you're looking. Something that is designated retail space is usually going to cost more per square foot. Like a lot more. Like double. And restaurant space is like a different, like that, just so you can see like there's categories, hotties, like, Retail space is one of those that's very expensive and it could be tens of thousands of dollars a month for retail space. And then let alone you want to make it a cute building and you want your little like shop fantasy, like those are very expensive. And so you want to really like meter your expectations with like, can this be a stepping stone? Can I grow from this? Is this a space where if I'm starting, I can then take this and make another leap later as I move do, into those states. Exactly. Like, do I really need foot traffic? Do I really want foot traffic? Like we are in an office park, like not, it's not a destination anyone would go to. <laughs> it's a commercial no, no area. Like walking by after their brunch, you know? Uh, no, but we also didn't want that. Like we want to be by appointment only. We don't want to have to be at our desks in that space every single day if we can't be. So it was intentional for us and it was definitely worth no, we are not in a historic brick front, cute little, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, which that would be amazing. But that I feel like is only that important for retail. Yeah. Personally, I think you can get away with staff, like, which is a whole different thing. And yeah, that's fine. But I think unless if you don't need or have or want the foot traffic, like then just, yeah, curb your fantasies a little (laughs) bit and can you make like a more commercial space with the drop ceiling and overhead lights can you make it work like we both figured it out i feel like where it still feels comfortable and like us at a, a i don't know reasonable rate yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the investment level that you're going to put into a com- to a like commercial office space is already pretty high. So imagine you're taking it into a retail building or something like that. Like it truly like my CPA said to us, he's he said that if I was really serious about it after this lease term, that what I should be considering is the next step maybe when this lease is up, am I buying a building and owning a building? Like instead of buying like a rental property for like a resident, you know, he's like, do you just want to buy your own building and then you're paying yourself? And then when you retire one day, you own a building and you're the landlord. Like, is that like, think about different strategies of growth is kind of where he was going with that is like, yeah, right now you're just paying a landlord. But when your business grows to a certain scale, and you really do want that cute building or that cute space, is that the time where it just makes sense instead of paying a lease to get a mortgage for it and to have oh, yeah. your own space? Like, I mean, if you're spending like 10 grand a month, like, what? yeah. So that's where you could really, as a designer, now that's, I mean, not that you guys, I'm not a financial advisor here, but like literally our CPA is like strategizing for us. And he's like, when you know it works, that might be your next step is you think about buying a space and then it becomes an asset to you in the future instead of, you know, right now, this is just all outward expense for the business. Like, it could be a space that has other potential. But 100% having this stepping stone feels like the right move. Oh, yeah. I don't think I would go. I mean, unless I was literally like a million. If I was a multimillionaire, I would buy a space. 
but I'm not. I don't have that expendable income to just be like, let's experiment and buy an office building. Like, Right. And just everything that goes with it. It's just all of the operations and logistics oh, yeah. and like, there's just a lot. Everything. So having this stepping stone that's not as financially taxing is like, we're still doing that. Like we're still putting infrastructure together. We're still putting our inside operations and figuring a lot of stuff out that will transfer to, could transfer to a different space if that's what happens. Yeah, I feel, I mean, it's not that it's without stress, y'all. Like I still go to write that check every month and I'm like, gulp, like, It's a lot. It's a big investment. But then it's also like we're taking on more projects. We've grown what we're doing. We have more capability. Like it's like slow going. So I would say at first, like there is that, it's probably a lot like when you rent it, like I don't know, whenever I've renovated my own home, when you do the demo, you're like, oh God, what have I done? There's a little bit of that with like ball of emotions with leasing a space. And that's to me feels normal. And everyone, every other designer I talked to said the same thing. Like it's a roller coaster. Like it's just happy, sad, excited, nervous, anxious, optimistic. Like it's all thrown in into one big ball. And once you get used to it's like we do absorb that change and that new level of where we're at. It just takes a minute to like level set. Um, and just as another thing to throw out there, like Claire is another design industry. Sorry. She's another design business. She has her own design business. I have my own design business and together we created another entity that runs our space. So think about that too. If you have a design friend that you trust, like you can, there's so much efficiency we have in like that's why we have the materials library because we're both contributing to it, pulling from it, yeah. benefiting from it. So it makes sense. It made sense for us to kind of invest that much time and energy into it. So there's different ways. Like if you want to definitely like have your own space and grow and you have a team like Sean does, it probably makes sense to just carve out your own spot. I and Claire both were fine sharing it and it actually is nice. Like we like it that way because we have each other, obviously for the financial part, but also like it's nice having that trusted coworker that's mm-hmm. at the same level. Like we can really appear. They're a peer. Yeah. Like I don't have to put on a brave face for her. <laughs> well, like <laughs> I you to, can't. I did. There's stuff. Yeah. Like I'm you, not. You, you don't like, lay it all well, on the you line. Know, like the captain's not in charge. Like doesn't know like, how to steer this rent, ship. Like rent was tight this month, guys. <laughs> work like, hard if you want us to keep keep going to work every day. Yeah. Like you don't. <laughs> they can't know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so just think outside the box. Like as yeah. terrible as that phrase is, there's. You can do whatever you want. Like no one else really has done what Claire and I are doing in our area. And so what? It's working. It's fun and exciting. People really love it. So, and it's working for both of us. So find where you want to be. I mean, location is important. Like you're talking about like, it's not where you are. I think that was a bit, that's a big part of like all of that process. We didn't even talk about that. Like, yeah, sure, location, location, location. But also, like, sometimes the bougiest area you want to be in is not going to be affordable. But also, it's that 
Are you near the clientele you want to be working with? Is your commute time going to still be fair for you? Like, I have to worry about that a lot in greater LA. But I think finding the space where it's a gap and it's missing and like thinking about what you're going to offer that's different is really important. Like, I know very few other local designers who are in a brick and mortar, like in a space. And that's that doesn't mean like it's any better because I am. It's just I know there's a gap in the market to create visibility with designers in my area that clients look for it. And the fact that we are now like Google optimized to our neighborhood that we're in. And when people search interior designer near me, I'm going to be one of those top options that shows up. Like there is some incentive to making sure that you're visible, that you're active. And that location-based work does make a difference. Like finding the most nondescript space where no one can ever get to or will ever be around, probably not great. You might get a better lease rate if it's an invisible office space. But it does make a difference for us. Like you did the same thing. Like you want to be on the first floor. You want it to have natural light. You want it to be accessible. You want it to have the potential to be cute. Like all of that made a huge difference in picking our spaces. And it's not just picking a neighborhood. It's which building, which exposures does it get for light? Like all of that stuff comes into play, just like if you were going to buy a house. Yeah. And our location is based not necessarily on optimal neighborhood of where our clientele lives because there's not a lot of homes around it. But it's very easy to get to. It's right off the freeway. Like it's in the middle of kind of the region of Sacramento. So it's, you know, like equidistant. Yeah. It's convenient, I guess. So yeah, just different things. So I feel like best things you could do, hotties, if you're thinking about starting it, would be getting, I think the broker is like the first step to actually understanding more about, am I in the right space? Do my financials line up with what a landlord would want to see? Are the spaces I'm imagining even in my area? Because there's a lot of market standards. And I think it's easy to just have a low stakes conversation with someone. Yeah, you could tell them you're just kicking tires. Yeah, you can just tell them you're kicking tires and they're totally fine. Like they're salesmen. And yeah. Like they're- and you might need to say, okay, if this isn't right for the type of properties that you're interested in leasing, who you know, who else can you send me to that's working at, you know, the level I'm talking about? Because it is sort of like going to like a million dollar listing realtor and being like, okay, I'm looking for a beginner fixer upper. And they're like, yeah, I don't have time for you, bro. Like, <laughs> sorry. But they'll so, refer you or hopefully if they're good, they'll give might. you a direction to go. Yeah. Or like, but it can- talk, talk to me when we're at this level. Like, they'll, I mean, I've only dealt with people that were really helpful and I think it um, can get competitive and some won't even refer return phone calls sometimes because oh, they're just yeah. like, nope, like too small of a fish. And you don't, then it's like, well, you didn't want to talk to them anyway. So like, yeah. just keep calling around, c- talk to your local realtors, like residential realtors, because they often have relationships with commercial brokers that they're just friendly with. So, you know, ask, or if I mean, you have it, other business owner friends, they would, they might know too. Yeah, I just think it's that that would be my first band-aid I rip off is like it doesn't hurt to have a conversation. You don't have to sign a contract after talking with them, but one or two meetings can be really, really informative if it's even a twinkle in your eye that you think you might want to do it. Yeah, I don't even think we signed a contract. I think I did the first time, but I don't know. If the contract is the lease 
in this case. Yeah, we signed a representation agreement. So that way it was like, we're only working with you. We're not going to be represented by any other brokers. We're not going to like pit people against each other. So it was like... I also knew the guys that I was working with. So I don't know. Maybe maybe a, maybe they weren't uh, as worried. Like they knew you're not going to run off and go play like mom and dad versus the the no. landlord or something. Like, yeah, I had like someone in my network already. So yeah, it's all, and it's going to be different everywhere. So take this all with a grain of salt. It's usual, but just putting it out there, see what how it feels. Like if you haven't considered it, but it's kind of becoming interesting thinking about it. Just sit with it for a bit. I think and it's... And then, yeah, try. It took me a couple months of hearing you guys go through it and then messaging other designers and asking them about it. If you guys want to pick our brains more and ask us, you can schedule like a virtual consult with either one of us. And if you'd really just want us to like get a little gritty with details and like how we felt yeah. about the process. I mean, I'm not like setting up coaching sessions but literally we, i've i've talked to other people who are like design curious during virtual consults who just want to talk about the design business so feel free if you guys want to really get a little more gritty with it book book some time like i don't mind sharing my experience i don't mind talking about some numbers like that doesn't freak me out i just feel like the more we know the better it makes us go into the process confidently of like oh that's normal i've heard other people talk about that like and the more, so much consistent, the more consistent our industry is, the better. Like, I just still, like, am all about <laughs> rising tides and the boats and all that. Totally. And one more little <laughs> phrase. The whole thing about the goldfish grows to the size of the bowl. Like, I truly believe Ooh. that. And if you grow your bowl, you're going to grow. Unless you just give up and don't do anything. So it's just sweet ass fish tank I need to fill up over here. Yeah. And your business will just grow. Like you will. And it there's so many ways that it can grow if you kind of switch it up and give it more space. So putting that all out there. We can do it. it. You can do it. You we did it. Everybody, if you really want it, it's gonna happen. Okay, well. Until next time, stay hot, designers. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D.